Welcome to Talk Nation Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. It is my great pleasure to welcome to Talk Nation Radio this week, Julianne Tweeten, discussing how the fake news scare is marginalizing the left. That is the title of an article in In These Times by our guest. Julianne Tweeten writes about the technology industry's relationship with socioeconomics and culture. In addition to In These Times, her work has appeared in The Baffler, Current Affairs, The Outline, Rewire News, Truth Out, and elsewhere. And she is the irregular tech correspondent on This Is Hell Radio. Julianne Tweeten, welcome to Talk Nation Radio. Thank you so much for having me, David. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for writing this article. So how is the left being marginalized? That's a good question. Um, So the article I wrote about is kind of a confluence of various issues uh, leading with the the fake news narrative. The, The idea is that fake news is essentially, it's not really a defined concept, but various Corporate media outlets like the New York Times and the Washington Post and CNN are furthering this narrative. And in doing so, they're kind of implying that 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 fake news is far left and far right media and that the only uh, media that can really be trusted is corporate media and, and traditionally centrist media Um And this is extended to Google, Facebook, and Twitter, which, um, as I'm sure all listeners know, um, are instrumental in disseminating media to, to Internet users. And those sites have also kind of um, adopted these principles of furthering uh, more centrist media while um, tending to censor and kind of stifle uh, left-leaning dissent. Um, so that's kind of the, the underlying principle of, of what's going on here. It's, it's interesting to define fake news as news that is far left or far right, because it, in, your, <laughs> in your article you talk about you know, Google sort of suggesting that they can determine what is real news and censor the fake news. And I'm wondering, well, if fake news is false news, how in the world does some guy at Google know what's true and what isn't? But if it's just, if the good news is just the politically centrist news, well, then that's easy. Google can hire a bunch of people to, to identify it. Is, is, that, is that what they're proposing to do? Exactly. Um, they're, they're certainly, I think, on board with having the power to determine what is fake news and what is not. And it seems as though uh, the government has been complicit in allowing Google and other companies to have that kind of control. Um, so Google has been, obviously, is a, is a search monopoly and has had control over which sites tend to appear higher in search results. Um, And in the process, since Google has updated its algorithms in the wake of of the fake news scare and and being um, placed in the center of of the argument of um, uh, who is exposed to fake news, uh, Google has updated its algorithms and in the process, uh, various particularly left-wing sites, have seen their search traffic plummet. Um, so that means the World Socialist website, that's, that's the, um, the news outlet that has been kind of the most vociferous about this. Um, it has claimed that it's seen its traffic dip by 67%, and it's named several other sites that have, that have seen their traffic uh, plummet as well, Alternate, Democracy Now!, etc. Um, 
Google also, I think, would like to take this further. Um, its chairman, uh, or rather its, its parent company's chairman, Eric Schmidt, has talked about uh, computers being able to detect fake news uh, using artificial intelligence. And uh, he has said that... Um, Let's see, that uh, it should be possible for computers to detect uh, misinformation. And uh, he said, we're not arguing for censorship. We're arguing just to get off the page. Um, so, so it seems like Google's idea here is to preemptively censor. Um, and, and obviously, its censorship policies would be a matter of its own discretion. And Google is a company that, again, as I'm sure uh your listeners know, is predominantly white and male, is predominantly uh, composed of pretty affluent people, um, and is a giant corporation that is motivated by profit. Um, and so uh, in Google's, Google's understanding, Google's vision of its own ability to control fake news is um, potentially disastrous and, and does not bode well. But if if fake news is being defined as too far left or too far right, why is it only too far left websites that are uh, that are seeing this incredible drop in traffic being directed to them by the Google search engine? That's a great question. So I think that far left sites tend to bear more of a a, a brunt um, in the sense because. When you examine the politics of tech companies, it's a fairly kind of complicated issue. So many, many tech companies have been um, participating with, contracting with intelligence agencies, and uh, many tech companies have been um, partnered with the Democratic Party, and they've donated to the Democratic Party for quite, quite a long time. Um, but also, we've seen that a lot of the tech industry is uh, kind of enables more far-right ideologies, um, like the Google Manifesto written by James Damore fairly recently that was talking about, um, that was lambasting diversity initiatives and, and suggesting that uh, Google is a meritocracy and America is a meritocracy and that um, affirmative action shouldn't happen. Um, so... There is a bit of a slippery slope, I think, with the the kind of centrist-friendly nature of tech companies into a more um, far-right ideology. But I think one thing that the tech industry is not interested in is anti-corporate, anti-capitalist sentiment. Um, and I think the same thing can, you know, tends to apply with uh, the government, particularly um, the kind of corporate-friendly Democratic Party. Um, there is, I know that... Um, there is still less of an inclination to really feature um, far-right news on social media and on Google, but um, there hasn't been nearly the extent of, of reporting and of um, uh, claims that there has been uh, for the right that there has been for the left. Um, so I think there's an especially hostile climate towards um, towards radical politics, towards left-leaning uh, anti-capitalist politics, I think, because those pose the greatest threat to uh, the status quo and to tech companies and to um, corporate-friendly government. 
Well, if, if Google has problems, surely Facebook can save us. Uh, what, uh, <laughs> what is, uh, Julianne Tweeten, what is Facebook's record here? And what is the deal with the, the claims that uh, a tiny number of possibly Russian ads unrelated to the election uh, determined the election? Um, so the, the current narrative is that Facebook uh, hosted a $100,000 worth of ads that were allegedly um, created by Russian actors and were meant to sow discord. So they, uh, various sites like CNN and New York Times and Washington Post have suggested that the ads were designed to bolster support for Jill Stein and Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump uh, instead of Hillary Clinton and to um, to appeal to gun owners and to appeal to anti-immigrant sentiment um, and to, uh, the, I think the, the most offensive of, of all is the suggestion that um, Russian actors were manipulating people into uh, protesting racism. Um, so the, the Facebook narrative is, deeply misguided. Um, it, again, it, it kind of overestimates, I think, the effects of $100,000 worth of ads. Facebook is a, a multi-billion dollar company, and the election was a $6.8 billion election. Um, and so, again, so it's it's a bit of a, a baseless exaggeration. Um, and... Uh, and, and, and if the Russians are behind both Black Lives Matter and the fascists who come to my town here in Charlottesville, who does that? I mean, I mean, forget the the, the you know the actual evidence for the claim. But if if those were both Russian projects, who does that help elect? And what is the point of it? That's what I've been wondering, um, because the. The, the language that has been used around the Russian narrative has been very vague. And uh, in this particular instance, um, a lot of the narrative is that Russian Russian agents were planning to sow discord. Uh, that's as far as it goes. They were planning to plant chaos in the United States. They were planning to uh, divide voters. And you're exactly right. And I, like I said, I've been wondering the same thing. Who does that, what, what does that really accomplish ultimately? Uh, if, if the narrative is that Russia was hoping to um, get Trump elected, why weren't all of the ads right wing? Why weren't they all pro Trump? Um, so I think the yeah the this dichotomy of far right and far left um, Russian ads doesn't make very much sense. And and the idea that they were planning to sow discord, okay maybe, but. Again, what does that lead to? What is what is the end goal for them? I have, I think, just as many questions about it as you do. And it just seems to me that uh, you know opposing the murdering of black people is a is a pro democratic, small d democratic uh, activity. Uh, just as finding out what one of your political parties is up to via Wiki, WikiLeaks uh, strengthens mm -hmm. democracy rather than weakens it. I'd like to find out who did that and thank them but I haven't seen any evidence that it was the Russian government. Uh, I mean, in, in, in these new claims, is there any actual evidence uh, that the Russian government uh, is behind any of this? Uh, there isn't that I've seen. And, and like I said, a lot of the, the language um, 
that's been used around the Russian narrative, including these recent stories about Facebook and Twitter, um, is very nebulous. It's, it's a lot of words like likely and suspected and believed to be and apparent. Um, only one uh, news outlet, I think, published any screenshots of the ads themselves. There was one New York Times article that published screenshots of the ads themselves, but um, but otherwise the evidence has been non-existent. It's, it's been pretty strictly speculation, um, and I think that's very much a testament to the fact that the Russian narrative and the fake news narrative are just kind of desperate attempts to to reconcile and to um, to come to grips with the fact that Donald Trump was elected and that someone like that could be elected in the United States. Uh, so, yeah, no, no real evidence that I've seen, just more speculation, just more kind of clamoring for some sort of explanation or some sort of PR uh, friendly explanation for why this could have happened. It, it seems like if just this latest story had come out by itself after several months of silence, uh, very few people would take it seriously. But I, I think a lot of people see it as icing on a cake because there have been so many. I mean, this this story, as you note in your article, sort of builds on the, the website that the Washington Post promoted months ago that gave a long list of many of them left-wing media outlets uh, and accused them of being, you know, Russian operatives on the basis of absolutely uh, no evidence, including several mm -hmm. outlets that I've written articles for and have yet to get a dime from Russia. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it is... I mean, how how do these stories keep coming out when that one, you know, was debunked months ago? Yeah, I... Well, so I guess there's an interesting distinction between... The, the proper not issue and the current one, because um, I think proper not was maybe a little too forthright. Uh, and, you know, proper not approached many media outlets and was dismissed by them um, because I think it looked a little too paranoid. But there's been. But that um, suited the Washington Post just fine. Yes, yes. Um, but there has been. I guess, kind of a more artful approach when when the stories are kind of incremental. Um, you know, when you... it's I guess when these stories are incremental, it's easier to present it as... or to make people think that it's evidence. When you say Facebook had um, $100,000 worth of political ads and Twitter had 200 suspected accounts, um, I think there is... Again, like I said, there's a lot of vague, non-committal language being used um, in these news stories, but also I think there's a combination of that with what's intended to be concrete evidence, you know, numbers and statistics. And um, even though the uh, the ads and the accounts in question are have not been confirmed to be linked to Russia, um, I think there's, there's still an attempt to make it seem uh, objective and to make it seem like it's very real. So, if that answers your question. It does, yeah. So so we we have, you know, Google redirecting people, you know, not to more accurate news, but to more corporate news. Um, mm -hmm. Facebook, you note in your article, has something of a of a racist bias in terms of, of who it opposes and who it favors. And, and tw how is Twitter doing in terms of who it blocks and who it doesn't block? Uh, Twitter and Facebook in particular have 
some very serious issues with uh, racist policy, which, I mean, I think unequivocally reflects the fact that these companies are run by rich white men. Um, so uh, Facebook has had um, very serious issues with with stifling the voices of particularly black activists um, while protecting white men. There was a big ProPublica report about that. Um, Twitter has had similar issues. Um, there have been uh, many anecdotal accounts about how Twitter will um, Twitter will will kind of elevate the voices of Nazis, for example, while um, punishing the voices of people who are more likely to dissent, like Richard Spencer, for example, the the face of the uh, the neo-Nazi quote alt-right movement is verified on Twitter. Um, so he's he's been given this platform that makes him look legitimate and makes him look like a cultural and a real cultural and political figure with authority and gravitas. Um, the outline uh, published a report about this as well in, in greater detail about Twitter's Nazi problem. Um, so, and, and I mentioned Facebook earlier. Um, I think it's, it's worth noting that Facebook has um, previously had a, uh, Ad settings for for advertisers who who want to advertise on Facebook, where advertisers could choose which races they advertise to, and this was for employment ads, and this was for housing ads, um, and so Facebook was clearly breaking the law, uh, violating the Fair Housing Act for employment, um, and so both Facebook and Twitter have had. Um, have these very, very clearly manifestly racist policies. Um, and I think, uh, you know, the government has paid very little attention to this. There's been a previously a really laissez-faire um, approach with allowing these companies to um, handle these, handle these, um, these violations on their own. Yeah. Um, and really only now. I know that the Black Congressional Caucus has drawn attention to the, the racism uh, inherent in Facebook's platform, but um, really the government has not stepped in and intervened and, and really made an effort to regulate until the Russia scandal uh, arose. So there's a lot of hypocrisy going on here as well. It's funny that the local NBC station here in Charlottesville has a Richard Spencer problem as well, which has resulted in a boycott. But how do you boycott face oh. Facebook? They've got a better monopoly than than NBC. Uh, you know, they, they, they've, yeah. they've got a lock on on this audience. Uh, and and these companies, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Google, are, are cozying up to the government uh, and to the so-called intelligence agencies. And that seems to be treated as acceptable uh, leading toward real news rather than fake news. So what does that suggest mm -hmm. about our our concept of what news is supposed to be? Yeah, well, look at who's in government right now. Um, things are pretty dire and obviously are very, very skewed toward white supremacy. Um, and, and Facebook and Twitter and Google and other companies like Amazon um, are you know, as, as anti-regulatory as they are, they still um, have have uh, kind of colluded with various intelligence agencies, and that might continue to happen. Um, the the um, information that we see is being controlled by 
both intelligence agencies and these tech companies, again, as I said, that are controlled by affluent white men um, who have, again, very, very dangerous politics. If you look at people like uh, James Damore, the the author of the Google Manifesto, Peter Thiel, um, who uh, was potentially going to be on Trump's cabinet, etc. Um, so the, yeah, the issue of, of Facebook and Google and, and Twitter kind of having monopolies over the way that people consume media um, is a very dire prospect and something that uh, that really needs to be questioned and, and um, overhauled. It, it seems like this idea of fake news, it's a new, you know, phrase, but it's not a new concept to, to bash the media, even for presidents. I don't know if, you know, if Trump outdoes Richard Nixon in bashing the media um, and, and <laughs> earlier eras as well. Uh, but it, it, what seems new is the popularity of it, the, the public support for bashing the media. I mean, is that, am I right about that? And is that a result of the the work of the of the networks and the newspapers or of the social media or or what's causing this yeah i think you're right in saying that this is not a new phenomenon but i think it it maybe feels new because of the the new digital platforms that are involved in disseminating media um because obviously having social media and having search engines is a, a modern phenomenon um that's really only become commonplace in the 21st century uh i think the the term fake news as we understand it originated uh, several years ago before the election when Facebook was accused of having um, suppressed right-wing um, uh, news sites in its news aggregator. Um, so, again, it's, yeah, it's not a new concept. Like you mentioned, it's, we, we saw it in Nixon's uh, paranoia about the press, um, there's always going to be, as long as there is a free press, there's always going to be tension with the people in power who are concerned about the way they're uh, depicted and will will spin narratives any way they see fit. Um, but yeah, I think any reason that it feels new would be just that there are these new platforms that are disseminating it and um, that the, the internet has uh, kind of transitioned us all into a much more consistent um, pattern of media consumption. And and yet I seem to increasingly get questions at public events from people raising their hands saying, well, where should I find reliable news? How, when the right. internet is saying everything and it's opposite, what am I supposed to do? I'd, I'd be curious what your, what advice you would give people on that. <laughs> that is a great question. Um, and it's, it's a difficult one to answer because, um, as I say in my, my article, we don't really have a definition of what fake news is. Um, I think, uh, I mean, I, <laughs> given my politics, I prefer to read um, left-wing news. And I, I just think it's, um, because I think those are the only ones that are kind of seeing through um, White House and corporate PR. Um, it is, you know, it's it's a bit of an exercise in media literacy, and it's um, it's a testament to the fact that our monopolies of media dissemination are very pro-capitalist and benefit from capitalism, and um, are yeah, are are 
basically transitioning into monopolies, and that is something that needs to be overturned. Um, but in the process, it's yeah, it's very important to foster media literacy and to try to um, understand that uh, we shouldn't always trust what sites like the Washington Post and the New York Times tell us because a lot of the time it's just White House PR um, or the PR of the billionaires who own them. Um, so, again, yeah, it's it's not an easy process, um, but media literacy is very important. Um, and yeah, uh, yeah, I think just the starting point is just to 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 be leery of um, and to to remember that uh, tech companies like Google, Facebook, and Twitter are designed by people. They're not objective. Um, they have agendas, and uh, we should be wary of them. Yeah, and and perhaps wary of any robotic, uh, computerized uh, sensor of of fake news as well. Absolutely, because it's it's still designed by by people, usually very very privileged people with their own politics. Uh, indeed, um, I, I mm-hmm. when when you say you look to to leftist uh, sources of news, um, and, and feel mm-hmm. free to, to name some of them. I, do you? Uh, I assume you don't mean what some people think of as the left in the United States, and that is Democratic Party loyal sources of news. Yes. That's right. Um, I I think the most reliable news uh, out there, I think, is is non corporate um, because there are no advertisers to be re- to be uh, beholden to. Um, so yeah, generally, uh, media that is not corporate sponsored is uh, tends to be more reliable uh, in my experience. And again, doesn't that's the type of media that can afford to be adversarial and can afford to. Uh, be uh, more investigative and you know the Washington Post is owned by Jeff Bezos who also owns Amazon and owns um, Blue Origin which is a space exploration company um, and Amazon owns big CIA outlet. contracts yes a 600 million dollar CIA contract I believe um, the Atlantic was recently acquired by um, uh, Lorian Powell Jobs who was married to Steve Jobs. So a lot of these uh, mainstream media sites are owned by billionaires who have very specific political agendas. They have projects that they need good PR on. Um, And so, again, in in this climate, I think the most trustworthy sources are the ones that are that are not advertiser that are not uh, corporate owned and, and that are not beholden to advertisers and sponsors. With with, with just a minute left, Julian Tweeten, mm-hmm. uh, do you think it seems to me that the that the Democrats largely have pushed this RussiaGate madness so far that any connection to anything Russian uh, is a sin, and suddenly uh, people seem to be caring about. What governments put money into the Clinton Family Foundation, uh, where you know Saudi Arabia and many others were fine, but what about Russia? Uh, is is this thing going to backfire on its creators? <laughs> um, gosh, it just might. Um, it's it's tough to say, but I can't see this ending in a constructive way for the Democrats. I will say that. Um, I mean, even uh, there's a recent bill that's and circulating that is supposed to regulate political ads on the internet, and I think one of the uh, one of the um, 
stipulations is being more um, vigilant with ads from foreign governments. And so there is, I think, you know, this is this is ballooning into just paranoid xenophobia. Um, and I, I don't think this can end well uh, or in any sort of constructive way for its uh, propagators. Uh, I am with you. That and the and the lack of evidence are a couple of big flaws. Uh, Julianne Tweeten's article is called "How the Fake News Scare Is Marginalizing the Left," and it's at In These Times. Julianne, thank you for coming on Talk Nation Radio. Thank you so much for having me. This is Talk Nation Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. All past shows can be heard at davidswanson.org. Talk Nation Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. If you are listening to a nonprofit station, please support that station. Talk Nation Radio is funded by contributors at davidswanson.org. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. Until next time.